you, Sharon, Jacob, and Kim. You know, I feel that's one of the words that I keep sensing from the Lord is just we need to, we need that enduring faith. Like, we need to keep on persevering, uh, because what, uh, what the enemy would want us to do, uh, is to throw in the towel or get complacent or just, uh, just kind of say, I'm just going to sit around and wait around and hopefully everything will change. And, uh, that, that's not waiting on God biblically. Waiting on God biblically is not just sitting there going, "Okay, God, I'm not going to do anything." And then when you change it, then then I'll then I'll step into that good change that you've got for me. No, waiting on God biblically is listening to His voice and obeying what He says to do. That's that's how you wait on God. And uh, if you if you're like, "I'm having trouble hearing God's voice," uh, then th- this is what you do. What is the last thing you heard him say to you? Go back to that. You're like, I haven't got anything new, God. He's like, well, we're still working on that last one I gave you about three years ago. <laughs> I'm still saying that. Uh, I'm still doing it. But hopefully we don't have to go back that far. But sometimes we do. Sometimes we're just, man, I'm in, I feel like I'm in a wandering. I'm in the desert. I don't know what's going on. What's the last thing God said to you? Go back to the last solid truth in the Word of God. What's the last thing you read that just in the Scriptures that just that just gripped you, that touched you, that did something in you, that sparked something, that changed something, that convicted you, whatever it may be? Um, go back to that. Go back to what God said last, and start there, and see if you know. I'm not saying you got off track. Sometimes God's just quiet and lets us walk and trust Him. Uh, sometimes God leads His people through the wilderness. Um, but if you are off track, then that's a good place to start is to get back to that place of what did you say last? And I'm going to I'm going to honor and obey what you were saying to me. The last thing I know that you said, I'm going to I'm going to stay there until you show me something else. I'm going to continue to walk with that. So open your Bibles. We're going to continue to go through first Peter here. It's first Peter one and we're on verse 13. So first Peter chapter one and verse 13. Last, last week we talked about the first 12 verses of Peter and the, we talked about the inheritance that we have as believers. We talked about being shielded by faith, uh, through the, uh, by God's power. Uh, we talked about rejoicing and suffering and grief and all kinds of trials. Uh, how you grieve when you go through trials, but that can be a healthy process. Um, so that your faith is proved genuine. So that it begins to give praise and glory to God. And, uh, even though we don't see God, we love Him. Even though we sometimes don't see Him right in front of us, we believe in Him and then we're filled with joy. And we're receiving the result or the outcome of our faith, the salvation of our souls. And how how amazing it is that it says even the prophets and angels and all kinds of people were like wanting to look at these things. They longed to look into them to say, God, what are you doing? And so that's where that first chapter has gone so far. So I want us to read, uh, we're going to read verses 13 through 25 through the end of chapter 1. Um, so Holy Spirit, I invite you to open the Word of God as we read it together. Um, Verse 13 says this, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, 
Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you was holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect." He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart." For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For, this is a quote from the Old Testament from Isaiah, all people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Amen. There's a lot of stuff in there. We're not going to get to everything today. Uh, we're, we're not going word by word here. We're, getting, we're going to go subject by subject and theme by theme uh, and just kind of give us an overview. But there are several things here that Peter sets forth for us as believers in Jesus. So if you're a believer in Jesus, this applies to you. If you're not yet a believer in Jesus, then this is an in- invitation to you. This is an invitation to say, hey, you get to come into all this that it's talking about right here. And Jesus really did do all these things for you. He really did pour out his blood for you. It was done for you. Every single one of us that Jesus said, you're worth it. Whenever we think about the blood of Jesus, you should think about, I am valued at the very life of God's own son. That's how much value he puts on you. That's how valuable you are to Father God. So, as believers, though, it says, hey, therefore, with your minds being alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you. See, Peter was writing to a people who are going through trials and suffering and challenges. That's what most of this book is about. This whole book is about how to suffer as a Christian, how to go through trials as a believer in Jesus. And they were probably going through a little bit more than us, but we're getting at least a little bit of taste of what it might be to go through a trial. Some of our things are just inconveniences, but some of the things are really trials and tribulations. They are really bringing grief into our souls. They're bringing sadness onto us. They're, they're bringing challenges. They're bringing loss to our lives, whether that's physically, spiritually, emotionally, financially, whatever it is. There's, there's loss happening, and so there's a grieving that goes on. And so Peter says, look, he's writing to these people to say, here's what you do by, in order to go through what you, the place you're in right now. And so he says, 
Let your minds be alert. He starts with your mind. He starts addressing the way that you think. And he says two things. He says, number one, your mind needs to be alert. Now, what, what that means, the original language is this, is it means to gird up your loins. You're like, what does that mean? <laughs> I don't know, but that's what it says. Okay? What that means is this. Strengthen yourself and get ready for battle. Get yourself equipped to do battle in your mind. Let your mind be ready to stand in the day uh, that you are facing trials and tribulations and challenges. Your mind has to be alert and equipped and strengthened. You need a, you know, in some, I mean, this is probably not even PC anymore, but, you know, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> It may not even be good. It may be beyond PC. It may be, it's just not, you know, it's, it's like, just get dressed for battle. I can say this to the men. From you men, man up. Whatever you say to women, I'll let the women say to each other, okay? I, that's what I was trying to leave out, Greg. So um, I, I always look at my wife. When she's here, uh, it's like... <laughs> Or Josie. I look this way, I see my wife and Josie, and like, they're always just shaking their head. Like, don't do it. Whatever it is. <laughs> it's better just not to do it. Don't try. But that's what it's saying. It's like, get your mind ready. Like, in other words, when you're going through something, you're going to face a battle in your mind. You're going to have thoughts, that, you're going to have thoughts that come to you that you're going to say, just throw in the towel. It's not worth it. Just, let's just walk away from this. Maybe this isn't even real. Maybe I'm just, I'm just living a fantasy. Is this all just pretend? You're in a battle in your mind. That is where a lot of the battlefield is. And so Peter says, hey, therefore, get your mind alert. You've got to be ready. You've got to have your, your, your sword in your hand to say, my mind is ready for the onslaught that I'm going to face in my head. I'm going to face an onslaught of war of thoughts in my head. We are facing that right now in our nation. I mean, it's like, have you, you know, we, we see all the stuff that's going on. We, there's only one thing on the news anymore, right? I mean, I don't even bother to hardly check. Every once in a while, I just check to see, like, if there's some news that says it's over or something, you know? <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> you know, it's like we, there's only one thing on the news, so we're bombarded with just one thing. And when you're thinking and getting receiving one thing, what I need is I need to have my mind renewed. Doesn't mean I don't need to be aware of what's going on. Doesn't mean I just put my head in a hole and pretend I'm just going to pretend it's not, not happening. No, we're not talking about that. We're talking about saying I'm going to be aware but my mind's going to be girded up. It's going to be, it's going to be strengthened. It's going to be equipped to face the onslaught of fear and anxiety and confusion and doubt and uncertainty that is being poured at me all the time by society. So be alert. And the second thing it says about your mind is, is be fully sober. And the word here, interestingly enough, is I just got the word, it was like, hey, don't be intoxicated and think beyond getting drunk with alcohol. I mean, don't do that either. <laughs> okay, we're clear on the Bible says don't do that either, just to clear that up. Um, but it's not so much that as saying, look, your mind cannot be intoxicated by anything. 
Sometimes our mind is intoxicated with lies, right? I mean, I get, I get intoxicated with anxiety and fear. And so all my thoughts, what does that mean? That means that my mind and all of it that's going on inside my head is consumed with one thing. It is, it is overridden. It is being, my judgment is being impaired by something else that doesn't belong in my head. To be intoxicated by uncertainty, to be intoxicated by some kind of even it could apply to sinful thoughts of any kind. Some people that are caught in that pattern of being intoxicated with, with impure thoughts and all those kind of things. It's, you can become intoxicated in your mind. And so Peter is saying here, look, you, you need to have your mind ready for battle and you need to have your mind totally clean and clear. If there's anything toxic going on in your head, let's take care of it. Let's, let's get cleaned out. How do you, how do you sober up in the spirit? By the word of God. How do you sober up in your mind? I mean, by, by the word and by the spirit. How does it say? It says in the scriptures that we are the washing of the water of the word. And so, you know, sometimes you just need a, the cold water of the word splashed on your mind so your mind can go, whoa, what am I doing here? What am I thinking here? What's going on? And so Peter's saying, look, we start with that because everything else is going to flow from how you're thinking. Therefore, and then when you get your mind straight, then you can begin to set your hope on the grace that is going to be revealed at the coming of Jesus Christ. Hope is released many times when my focus goes on eternity and not the present. That's what it's saying right there. It's saying, hey, look, there's, you know, when Jesus comes back, as a believer in Jesus, when Jesus comes back, that's a good day. <laughs> when I was growing up in church, you know, it was kind of like the freak out day, right, Dave? It's like... Uh, you know, like kind of the 80s and stuff. You're growing up and you watch the movies and stuff. Jesus is coming back. I'm like, ah! <laughs> Everybody be scared. And who wants, to, who wants to get saved right now? And all of us kids are like, yeah, I want to get saved. I definitely don't want that. Whatever that is, how do I get out of that? <laughs> I don't want to sign up for that. That's what I don't want. And so, uh, but it's, you know, the day... It, Jesus coming back as a believer in Jesus, if you're a believer in Jesus, if you're a child of God, that's good news. If it's not good news to you, then you need to have God just work on renewing your mind to where he can emphasize and reveal your identity in Christ so you know, hey, there's no confusion here. When Jesus shows up, I'm going with him. It doesn't matter when he comes in relation to all the stuff and all the end times theories that there are, because they are all in many ways theories because we don't know exactly how it's all going to play out. Um, but I can set my hope on Jesus and say my hope is on Jesus. And no matter what happens, my, my life and my thoughts and my focus are, are on eternity. I am looking long term. You only want to give up as a believer when you look short term. I'm not talking about, about Jacob here. <laughs> You know, I mean, that's, that's the thing is when I get so focused on my present reality and my eyes are not on Jesus and the hope and the grace that's going to be released because it's only that I have a, a future hope that I'm going to press on. Honestly, if Jesus isn't real, then yeah, let's just throw in the towel. It's just, who cares, right? What does it matter? 
Just everybody live for yourself and just get as much as you can while you're alive because this is it. But if Jesus is real, then my whole focus changed because I'm now living. I'm not living for now. I'm living for then. I'm not only living for then, I'm living from then. I'm saying I am looking, my life is meant to be a life that is filled with the thoughts and the perspective and the grace of eternity being present in my life now. It's amazing when you set your, your, when people get hope, they can do all kinds of things. I make notes sometimes. Um, so I was watching this documentary. I didn't plan to share this, but it just, it just popped in my head. And I can't even tell you the names because I wasn't planning to share it, but I'm, I'm going to share it right now. You know, in the early 1900s, uh, what was it, the 19, 18 or 15 or something. Do you remember, babe? You were asleep for most of the documentary, but... <laughs> so she doesn't remember. So there was a group of people, it's the early 1900s, and they wanted to get on a ship and sail to Antarctica, and they were going to be the not the first ones to go to Antarctica, but they were the, going to be the first ones to get off on Antarctica and walk across it to the other side. I know you're shaking your, my mother-in-law is shaking her head and saying, why would you want to do that? I agree. Why would you want to do that? Just so you can say you did it, I guess. <laughs> and this is, I'm thinking like, oh, this is a long time ago. Early, just after the war, I think. Maybe just in that whole time, just right around that time. And so these guys get on this ship and they sail down and they get close to this. They stop off on one of the islands that's close to Antarctica. There are islands that you can stop on the way. And uh, I will get you the information if you're curious. I'll look it up um, and get you the names and all this stuff. But they, yes, it's uh, the captain's name was Shackleton. So, and uh, so he was he was the hard charging guy. So they got to the island. They said, you know, now is really not a good time to go. And he said, we've already got the ship loaded, man. We're we're going. And so he was in charge of the ship. So when Shackleton said, you do this, guess what all the guys on board did? They did it. And so they get down to, to they're sailing toward Antarctica and all this ice is getting to them and the ship is starting to be torn up and he keeps pressing on. No, we're going to keep pressing on. We're going to keep pressing on. We're not going to give up. And so they finally get to the point where they pressed on so much they can go no further and their ship is stuck. And they're stuck for a long time. And so this group of, of men begins to survive, stuck in Antarctica. Because now it's beginning to get into the winter months. First of all, you go to Antarctica in the summer. It's still, it's still cold. <laughs> Super cold summer, okay? But it's, it's warmer than the winter, <laughs> I guess you can walk across it, maybe, hypothetically, at least they thought. And so they get stuck, and so they begin to do things, crazy things to survive. Because they still have a little bit of hope. They have the hope that they're going to get off of this, of Antarctica and get home. At some point, they let go of the idea that they're going to walk across Antarctica. They realize this is never going to happen. And so they continue to survive. They're killing seals. 
Sorry for you who love seals. They're they're eating whatever they can. Uh, they're just they're just trying to get, and they're they're hoping they can get their ship out of the ice. They're still trying to dig the ship out and do all this stuff. And finally, the ship sinks. <laughs> wow! No one has been. <laughs> And if you come back next week, <laughs> I still don't like the newsboys, by the way. Um, <laughs> that's an inside joke. Sorry, people. That's the last time I got that reaction is when I said I didn't like the newsboys. So they, I mean, their ship, you know, sinks into the, begins to sink into the water, you know, and it's slowly sinking into the ice, just being you know, pulled under by the ice, basically. And so they they grab a few things of what they can, and now they know, uh, they grab the lifeboats, and they know now that the ship is not their hope to get, get saved now. And so they begin to carry the lifeboats, and they begin to walk. This is, this is, this story is so incredible, because it's really true. It, totally historical. And, they begin to walk. They have dogs with them, and unfortunately, the dogs did not make it. If you know what I mean, they they helped them make it. They they had to they had to take care of the dogs, which the dogs were a a very welcome addition to to the men, and so they didn't make it. And so they walk carrying the lifeboats for miles and miles and miles and days and days and days in Antarctica. I mean, it's, this is, it's phenomenal, but they still had they, had, they just had a little bit of hope. They're still like, we're still alive, and so we're going to keep pressing on. So they get far enough with the lifeboats that they actually begin to find water again. Miraculously, the guy, the captain of the boat is a master, um, Navigator, and so he he has this way of navigating. However, they navigated back then, and when, you know it wasn't like uh, get me out of Antarctica, you know, <laughs> as fast as possible. Um, <laughs> shortest route, please. <laughs> please send an airplane, um, you know. And so they get to the water, and so they they begin to sail, and they they say we're gonna we're gonna. There's a remote island, a little tiny island that they know about where nobody lives. And like, if we can just get to that land, maybe maybe something can happen. So they they have the hope of getting to this land. So they sail in these two lifeboats. It's it's horrific. I mean, they're being frozen and drenched with water over and over again. I mean, guys are just beginning to be sick, and they're beginning to you know not be have nutrition, and all kinds of stuff is happening to their bodies. But they're pressing on, and they finally arrive on the island. And they, they make camp on the island. Now there's nobody, there's nobody there. Is there's no sign of life? They're still not saved. It's not like it's not like oh hey, it's all good now and they lived happily ever after. And the island people came out and said yeah you're here. <laughs> there's nobody on the island, but it's a, it's a structure they could land on, and there were some animals there, and so there was a source. There was a little bit of a source of food. And so in all the sailing, they basically had to decide that um, in order to sail back to that original island that they reached, they were going to have to tear apart the lifeboats they had and make one a little bit bigger and more sturdy boat. And they were going to have to have only, was it four of them? 
five of them, only, thank goodness for the internet, right? Uh, there's five of them that were going to go, and they were going to leave all the rest of the men on this deserted island. On an 800-mile journey on a small boat that they built. So these five guys, so they, they decide the captain goes, uh, I mean, the, the head guy goes, the, the, the captain goes, the navigator, and then they pick a few, three other men that will go with them. The rest of the men stay there and wait in hope that they will make it there and somehow come back and rescue them. So these guys begin sailing on this 800-mile journey in a makeshift lifeboat. And if they thought that first little bit was horrible, this was even more horrific. Uh, they said they were they would uh, they were they only brought what did they bring to eat? Um, it was like the seal fat stuff that they would eat. That's all they could have to eat. And so their only part of the day when they would get a little bit warm was they would go under the boat. They kind of put a top on it, and they would be underneath kind of in the hole. They're still getting soaked with frozen water, but they heat up this food, and they would get a little bit of warmth for just you know 30 minutes for each and every day. And so the guys begin to just, you know, they're, they're barely making it. And it's another, you know, it's weeks and weeks and weeks of a journey. They finally, miraculously, due to probably some of the hand of God and the navigation, the amazing navigation by this captain, that he's able to navigate by the stars even when he can't see him and stuff. Who knows how that worked? But uh, they make it. They make it to the original island they landed on, but unfortunately, they're on the wrong side. <laughs> I mean, you're, I'm watching. I'm serious. I'm watching this documentary and going like, "Man, if anything's going to go wrong, it's, it's you know, it, it wasn't 1920. I'm telling you. <laughs> so it's not like the 20 year. But um, so they, <laughs> like, I knew we should have skipped this year. <laughs> so they get to the island. So they decide. I mean, their clothes are like you know hardly even usable now. I mean, they're just freezing. And they have to walk all the way over the mountaintops of this island to make it to the side that's inhabited by people. And it says these guys begin to just take steps. And they they talk about how they were like, we weren't even sure if we were even still alive. But they still have the hope that, like, if we can just make it to the other side, we can find help. And it says they, they were walking and walking. They'd fall into stuff and all this. You know, the, the story, it's, it's, it's another period of time. It's not like some little West Texas mountain where they, I went over the Monahans Hills, and there, boom, and there it was. Um, I mean, it's like a huge, these huge mountains, and it's snowing there. I mean, it's still very south. I mean, it's close to Antarctica. Um, and it's, it's still a winter time, I guess, at that point. And so the, they're, they're walking over snow-capped mountains. Um, and miraculously... Isn't there some point where they say they were like led? At some point they mentioned like they didn't they didn't know the direction to go, but they it felt like they were just led in a certain direction. Uh, that they were they they just ended up a presence with them, right? They felt they said it was like they don't know what it was or who it was, but they just felt like it was something was someone or something was there to help them, and they made it to the other side. 
course, that's not the end of the story. Those guys, you know, those guys were saved, and now they had to somehow get a ship together and get all the resources and a good enough ship to sail back and try to see, are those guys on the island still alive? So they, that period of time passes where they have to, you know, they recover physically. They go through all this stuff. They get, they get another ship. Um, they get, you know, all the stuff that they need, the resources, the supplies, the food, and all that stuff. And they, so they set sail, and they don't even know. They don't even know if any of those guys are still alive. I mean, they've been gone for. It's it's been like, it's been more than a year, I think. So this whole this whole thing takes like like these guys were like in Antarctica for like two to three years. Up to three? Okay. My wife says three. She checked the internet. (laughs) So they get back to that island, to the place where they dropped them off, and guess what happened? They're all alive. They're still alive. They were still waiting in hope that those guys were going to come back for them. And so they held on and they believed and they lived life and they pressed on and they, you know, did everything they could to survive for more than a year. I know it's more than a year they were on that island in hope that they would return and be saved. Is it all of them but one made it or all of them made it? I think it's all, either all of them or all of them but one in this whole journey, in this two to three year journey of being trapped in Antarctica, survived. I mean, it's a phenomenal account. I mean, I've got to think that there is all kinds of supernatural God moments where God was protecting them and leading them, steering their boat, doing all kinds of things because it, it doesn't even add up. You know, it's like how can even... Human-wise, how could they have even survived in that frozen state for that long? It's almost unbelievable. But what made them survive was hope. It may have been a crazy hope, (laughs) but it was hope. That we're going to make it to the other side, and they're going to come back and get us, and that's what we're setting our hope in. It's on Amazon if you want to watch it. Shackleton's something, Captain, or a phenomenal documentary. I mean, it's not a Christian thing. It's not. It doesn't exalt Jesus or anything. It's just the story. But the, the, the account is, to me, is miraculous and a beautiful demonstration of pressing on in hope. You know, we have, we have an even better hope. Jesus is coming back to rescue us from all this junk. Everything that's wrong and hurtful and harmful and not right in this world, Jesus will make everything right when he returns forever. And so we set our hope on the grace to be revealed when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. You know, sometimes we just we get off track and we're we're thinking of all all these other things that don't quite matter as much as Jesus. 
But if I get my hope in the right place, I mean, if these guys can put their hope in, in humanity and hold on in Antarctica, I can put my hope in Jesus and stand firm and be a person who is full of all these things it says in these verses that we're not going to talk about, I guess. Um, you know, love and grace and, and all these things that we are bought by the precious blood of Christ. Man, if we could just get those truths, we, w- we would never lose hope. And I'm not talking about walking in perfection. We have times where we get discouraged. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about, you know, those guys, there's got to be days they woke up on that island and said, I'm giving up, Joe, you know, and, and, but somebody else on the line said, no, let's just one more day. Let's just make it one more day. Let's just try to make it today. Let's just, let's just press through today. We're going to make it. And so that's, again, that's what the body of Christ is for. That's when you're discouraged and you're like, man, I can't make it. When you need someone else, hey, I just need, I need some truth right now. I need some perspective right now. I need someone to speak life and speak hope and speak truth into my life and get my mind girded up and strengthened up again because I'm losing hope. And that hope can carry us a long way. You know, at the end, it says of this scripture here, it talks about that the word of God endures forever. So all the things that God has said, all the things that God has said, they don't ever go away. They don't ever stop being true. They don't ever stop being relevant. They don't ever stop having power. They don't ever stop affecting my life. That the word of the Lord endures forever. All the other stuff can go away. Everything else may pass away. Everything could be taken from my life, but you cannot take from me my relationship with Jesus and my fellowship with him by the word of God and the Holy Spirit of God. That can never be taken away. And so I want to set my hope firmly on the grace of God that's going to be revealed. So I'm going to I'm just going to skip to closing with communion. I hope you're encouraged today. I hope that God stirs just strength in your in your in your walk with him, in believing with him, in in stepping out in faith. But we're going to we plan to to do communion today. And so if you're a guest, uh your communion is we're doing the they should be in a chair in front of you. Um, right in front of the, one of these chairs, if you want to get one of these. If you're on the front row, we just have to, you can take one from there. I thought she grabbed two. Nice to see you. Did you? You know, when Jesus, before Jesus left, he said, do this. On the night he was going to be killed, Jesus says, hey, do this in remembrance of me. And he said, this bread is my body and this cup is my blood. I know this is not bread. (laughs) But it's an act of faith. Communion is an act of faith whereby I believe that by doing something physically and engaging my spirit that I have communion with God through Jesus. And as I was praying about this, I believe God wants to bring restoration in our souls.
you know, when, and your soul, of course, it ties into what some of the stuff we talked about in the other scripture here. Your soul is your, is your mind. So your thought life, your mind, your emotions, and your will, your desire, your chooser. When you, you, you make a choice, that's your will. And so a lot of times, you know, I was reminded of that scripture, uh, Psalm 23, that says, He restores my soul. And the only way to get restoration with your soul is through the body of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. That what Jesus did is enough for everything I need. And so if you've got the, whatever this is representing the bread... This reminds me of growing up. We had some some kind of, at my grandma's church, we had something that was really strange. It was always like we went, did communion at their church, and we're like, ooh, that's different. <laughs> it wasn't quite like this, but it was, it was something like this. And so, but Jesus' body was broken so that we can be made whole. And so I have a declaration. This is not going to be on the screen. So you, I want you, before we take this bread... We're going we're gonna to declare some things, and we're going to say them together. So if you'll just repeat after me. Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are. You are my Savior. You are my Redeemer. You are my only hope. You are my healer. As I take your body... I declare that I am who you say I am. I am a child of God. I have been forgiven. I am free. I am healed. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and take it. You know, in the scripture we read that we didn't talk about all the scriptures today, it does say that we were redeemed. You know, it's kind of a, we don't use that word a lot in society, which I think is good in some ways because it can be a special word that's mostly just for what Jesus did. We do have, you know, redemption value on certain things, but basically a redemption value is what you'll get when it's bought back. And so, Father God set your redemption value at the blood of Jesus in order to purchase you back from sin, death, and Satan. He said, Father God said, I'm going to pay with the highest price I can. I'm going to give you the most valuable thing I can. Your redemption value is so high that Father God said, Jesus, you're going to use your own blood. And so as we take this today, we're reminded of our value that it says we are redeemed by the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Of course, he's talking to the Jews right there that they're knowing, hey, this this is the Passover lamb. Anybody who is Jewish would have been reading that and say, oh, he's talking about Jesus, that he is that lamb. 
where I pass from death to life, where I am rescued from bondage into the promise, where I am delivered from slavery into freedom. And so today, as we, as we take, take the cup, we're receiving all the benefits of the blood of Jesus. And so I want us to say this together, just a short declaration. Jesus, your blood is enough. I trust that you have paid the ultimate price for my soul. So now through your blood, I receive complete restoration in my soul. Cleansing on my mind, healing and peace in my emotions, transformation of my desires to align with your will. In Jesus' name. Amen. It's an act of faith when we receive communion that says something spiritually happened when I physically did something that to the world would look silly. And so because we have made this declaration in faith, then there is a benefit of the body and the blood of Jesus being freshly released and imparted into all of our lives, body, soul, and spirit. So I want to pray as we close. If you want to stand up, let's stand up. Thank you, Jesus, that when you left, you said you were coming back. And so we've set our hope on you And today we've realigned our souls to line up with reality in eternity, with heaven being present on earth, with truth being master of my life, with hope being stirred in my soul, with love being released in my actions. And we thank you for that today. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that if some guys on an island can hold out hope of rescue. Lord, we can more than hold out hope. Lord, we can stand firm and we can walk in faith. We can walk in purity. We can walk in obedience. We can walk in trust. We can walk in grace. We can walk in understanding. Lord, we can walk in the revelation of God. We can walk in peace. Lord, we can walk in healing and wholeness. Lord, we can walk in reconciliation in our relationships. Whatever is needed in our lives, God, we thank you that it's been released by Jesus. And so we apply the effects of Jesus, his death, his resurrection, his ascension into our lives right now. And we thank you for what you're doing, for strengthening us to face this week with minds alert, with minds without any toxins in them, and with our hearts set on your hope. And so we thank you, Lord, that we can now be agents of hope. Because we have hope, we get to share it. We can spread it to somebody else, Lord, who is drowning in hopelessness. And so we ask you to give us eyes to see those opportunities where we can speak life and hope to anyone we come across. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. You're dismissed. If you still need prayer, come on up. If you don't want to interact, then you can quietly slip out. If you do want to interact with people, then stay as long as you'd like. God bless you all. Shadows of me.